Our guest on Personally Speaking this week is Michael Harney, a powerful and impressive actor. Stay with us. Hello and welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Gimosanti, and the great actor Michael Harney joins me now. Michael is best known for starring on the Netflix series Orange is the New Black as corrections officer Sam Healy. He earned his big break in 1993 as a morally compromised police officer on NYPD Blue, which led to steady work as a guest performer on a number of television series. In 2005, he played a hateful townsperson on the HBO series Deadwood, which further increased his profile. Michael has frequently portrayed tough men with deeply complicated lives. His ability to tap into the emotional and spiritual elements of these characters is the result of his extensive training and work in the New York theater scene, as well as his early career path as a social worker and prison reform advocate. Michael is here with us today to talk about his life, his career, his Catholic faith and values that matter the most to him. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, actor Michael Harney. Michael, uh, I'm always intrigued. First of all, thanks for coming on Personally Speaking. I'm always intrigued by uh, the families that form and shape us. Uh, and I'm wondering about the family of origin for you. When you look back on your upbringing and you look specifically at what your parents did in raising you, what did they get right? What might they have done better? You know, my... I came from a, a really typical, well, I wouldn't say nothing's typical, but a very strong Bronx Irish Catholic background. Mm -hmm. And uh, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. My grandfather was from Tipperary. My grandmother was from Galway. And uh, I spent uh, a lot of the first five years of my life with them. Mm -hmm. So I learned about old world decency and uh, doing the right thing. And uh, there was an innate toughness to them uh, that, that I learned uh, a work ethic that was very powerful. Um, so uh, that and... Uh, I'd have to say there was probably a, a very strong sense of right and wrong, uh, you know, with my parents. My, uh, uh, yeah, I had a very strong uh, sense of that. And as you and I know, years ago, there were consequences for bad behavior. Uh, <laughs> 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 so there, there, that doesn't exist so much anymore. But uh, but I had a beautiful and a beautiful faith. Uh, you know, my grandmother. I remember it's a, it's a fun, it's a great story. Actually, I was very small, and I, I went to see my first film, which was Spartacus, wow. with my grandmother, and she led me into the. Uh, uh, movie theater by the hand and uh, 
uh, yeah, I was kind of scared. I mean, they were crawling out of this prison in the pits. And uh, anyway, I made it through the movie. And afterwards, she said to me, she said, now you're going to be an actor. And I was a baby. I was a baby. But along with that, she handed me uh, the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. And uh, I've kept that with me all these years. Uh, so let, let me ask you the uh, mom's maiden name Marie. No, uh, last name. Oh, uh, her maiden name, McLaughlin. Yeah. Okay, boy, you you had it both ends. I got an Irish mother, an Italian father, but you had you had double whammy on the Irish side. You know? I I tell people when you're Irish and Italian, you have the best of both worlds. Half of your sins, the other half feels guilty about it, you know. But uh, <laughs> you, you you had all the guilt, you know. Let, let me ask you, you you probably know the actor Tom Wolpert. Tom Wolpert had been a guest, and uh, his his agent said you can have him on the show, but you can't go near the topic of of alcohol and. Uh, and DWIs because it's very sensitive. Anyway, when you tell me I can't go near a topic, I, I can't help myself. So I said to him, you know, when I was uh, young, I, I said, you know, Tom, you know, I have a lot in common. He said, how do I have a lot in common with a Catholic priest? I said, well, when I was young, I used to go into the city to party and uh, drink too much. And then my parents were out on Long Island. That's where I live. So I drive back there. But when I got home to their house, sometimes I can't remember the road. I said, the only difference I can see between us is that I never got stopped, thank God, but I think you did, right? And then he felt free now that I identified as a guy who drank too much to talk about his own experience of DWI and jail and all that stuff. You've been pretty honest about uh, the struggle and the escape that we have used in our past with uh, uh, alcohol and, in some case, drugs. I want to know how you got out of it, though. Like, how did you make the well, break? Um, I found... Uh, groups of men and women that uh, were devoted to recovery and uh, that's how I did it uh, and I really got very uh, I was very graced uh, early on I spent a lot of time at St. Ignatius Retreat House on Long Island mm -hmm. and I met uh, Jim Deneen yeah, and uh, sure. Bernie Shannon Jim oh. was my spiritual director for many okay. years many years uh, and still and I, close. I, I was ordained with Bernie. I got ordained with Bernie. Oh, were you really? Yeah, no yeah. kidding. I went to school with oh. him, seminary, and I love Bernie. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, he, he was very, uh, he used to do St. Camilla's Delos retreats. Yes, yeah. um, but I, uh, I spent a lot of time with those guys and um, they were real priests. Mm-hmm. You know, they were real priests, and I, I got very lucky. Uh, and so they helped me understand uh, that's how I got out of it, through the grace of God. I remember traveling on the Long Island Railroad, uh, my first recovery job. It was at the World Trade Center. And I used to get up at 4.30 in the morning uh, to start at 6 uh, down at the Trade Center. And I was reading... Uh, uh, a uh, recovery book on the train and there was a prayer to St. Francis. I was in the middle of that prayer and I realized this was about six months since I stopped drinking and using drugs. And uh, I realized the obsession was gone. 
but I had no idea how it left me. And to this day, I, I use that as a benchmark of grace because I really had no no idea. It just it just occurred to me. Wait, wait a minute. I, I don't have that obsession anymore. Which was really very, as you know, was very powerful. Yeah. Uh, so, Michael Harness, I guess. Michael, I want to ask you, uh, especially in light of your popularity with a show like uh, Orange Is the New Black. Um, I'm told that there was a time in your life where you voluntarily went to work up in Austin with people in in jail and prison. Why were you there? What did you learn through the experience? Well, I was very young, uh, and I was studying civil rights, and uh, I was very, I was horrified by mm. what I was finding, and uh, it led me to look into prison reform, uh, and so I started working with uh, a professor of mine at Nassau Community College, uh, and he was married to a minister, Episcopalian minister. And we started working uh, with uh, the United Church of Christ and the Fortune Society. Uh, and I was, I would have to say, I, I wasn't, uh, you know, doing this every day, but it was a voluntary thing that I would go up. And there was a man's case uh, who, with alcohol, you know, he had gotten himself in a very deep mess uh, and actually murdered somebody. But during the course of his stay in Ossining, he wound up uh, really uh, doing amazing things. He was what they call a, a jailhouse lawyer. And uh, all the guys would come to him and give them their briefs, and uh, he would look over them and try to help them, you know. So in the course of his time there, he was doing a life sentence. Uh, he became this amazing uh, aide to a lot of the inmates, you know. So I used to bring him vegetables, and uh, he used to like to cook vegetables. And I remember one time I went to see him, and uh, that if you've ever been there, that big steel door shuts behind you, <laughs> and you, you go into the visiting room. <clears throat> And I remember he, he introduced me to a man who was probably his bodyguard, you know. Uh, his name was Tiny. <laughs> <laughs> who, who wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> and Tiny Tiny shook my hand in the most gentle way, you know, but he must have been. I'd have to say, in reality, he probably was about 6'6 six, six and about 275, but he didn't have an ounce of fat on him. You know, he was just a, a mountain, you know. So that's great they were, stuff. They were protecting uh, their interests. So long before you got the script for uh, Orange is the New Black, you knew something of the inside world. And, and it's great that you were there. I have friends who are even now in jail and prison, and they talk about being completely uh, forgotten once they're in there by people and how right. important it is for people to care. And maybe why Jesus talks about, you know, I was in prison and you came and visited me as, as a, a beautiful work yeah. of mercy. And every every experience of love is is an experience in learning. And I That's right. That's related right. to that. What have you learned through the experience of being a dad? Um, well, for me, it's really about love and service. Mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, that's where I kind of wound up. And, uh, you know, my son was uh, uh, born with, uh, he was high functioning on the autistic spectrum. Mm-hmm. And he later uh, wound up uh, struggling strongly with epilepsy. And uh, so we went through that together for 10 years. So that was one of the reasons, you know, the uh, romantic endeavors didn't work out too well. You know, it's very hard because I'm very devoted to my son. Um, Anyway, uh, what I've gotten out of being a dad is uh, it it really uh, uh, picked me up and, and, and threw me. Uh, into the arms of God uh, through surrender. And uh, I remember one day, I really thought uh, we were uh, turning a corner. It was probably about almost right right near the time when things started to change for the better. He's now seizure-free for over oh. two years, except when we both had COVID, uh, we both had a, you know, it was a, we had a Delta variant, so it was very difficult. But um, right before uh, things started turning, uh, I thought we were turning a corner. I remember he had another uh, event. And I remember I was standing uh, in the bathroom holding him. I had gotten him to the bathroom. And, you know, with seizures, the grand mal seizures, you just lose control of everything. You know? Anyway, I'm standing there and I'm holding him. You know, he's uh, completely limp, you know, he's lost consciousness. uh, I just raised my fist up to the skies and I started screaming at God. And it wasn't too long after that, things started changing. (laughs) 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 One of my spiritual directors, Herb Ryan, he worked at Loyola Marymount. Uh, he was a wonderful guy. And in one of our times together, he said to me, do you ever get angry at God? And at that time, I said, no, I, oh. I really don't. He said, well, I get angry at him for you. Wow. So I would suggest that you start getting angry at him. Being, <laughs> you know, leading me into a more authentic relationship with God. Uh, so, but yeah. what I get out of it is uh, I've gotten, uh, it, it's, it's certainly given me far more than I've given out. I like uh, that uh, your spiritual director directed you that way. I think for some reason, a lot of, uh, especially our generation of Catholic, you know, you didn't dare shake your fist in God's face. But I, I, I think if he loves us as much as uh, we believe he does, then I have good friendships with people and it allows me to even be angry when they don't deserve it, because they they'll carry me no matter what, and I think that's yes. our God. He can he can take it. You know, you probably know the guy, uh, Joe Montegna, is a, a friend. And I, oh, I, I know Joe, sure. And he's been through this experience of his daughter with with autism, yeah. and uh, he yeah. says he's debated God endlessly sometimes. And but that that's part of the relationship, the debate. And uh, if he starts answering you, though, Michael, please let me know. I'd be interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> The, he the does voice answer me. Yeah. You know, I, I received tremendous grace. Uh, that beautiful lady behind you. I'm very mm. close to her. You and me she both. Yeah. Me. Yeah. She's the best. And 
uh, for, uh, for the folks who are listening to this on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM, Mike's referring to a statue of uh, Our Lady that's behind me. You people watching on YouTube can see her yourself, but that's what he was referring to as the lady behind me is the, is the Blessed Mother. And now, uh, you mentioned a spiritual guide that you, you talked to. One of the people I was fascinated that you knew was Father Chiswick. Tell us about this guy who's now uh, oh, yeah. a saint in the life of the church. Tell us about how you met him and and what did he bring to the table in terms of the dialogue between the two of you? Well, we were, uh, I was getting uh, sober. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was up at St. Ignatius Retreat House. And uh, Bernie said, there's somebody I want you to meet. And uh, her name was Dolores. And she was a lay mystic. And uh, she's an amazing person. Um, anyway, she... Uh, came to my closing of the retreat that weekend and we sat and talked and she said, I'd like you to meet my friend Walter, who was her spiritual director. And I had no idea who Walter was. And, you know, my, I wasn't wrapped too tight in those days, you know, <laughs> still coming out of the, out of the uh, doldrums and the haze of uh, alcoholism. So, uh, Anyway, I called him, and uh, as was his way, so simply, he just said, well, come on up and see me, you know. And I used to go up to St. John, the 23rd Center, up uh, across from Fordham. And, uh, he had a little uh, residence down the hall. Uh, you know, small, very small, and there was a little formica table there with two chairs, and he'd make me a cup of coffee, and we'd sit there, and we'd do the exercises of St. Ignatius, you know, I'd go up every month. We did the whole thing. And so, he was a wonderful guy, and uh, very simple. He had these deep blue eyes, and crystal deep blue eyes look right through you. Uh, but he never let on about what he'd been through, or he never made a big deal out of it. Um, he would always talk about the Lord. You know, he'd always make that was front and center. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he directed me, as all Jesuits do, that I've experienced, that I've been lucky enough to be around, uh, they always tell me that God is leading me. They're just there to facilitate, you know. So uh, that's what he did. The, uh... and we, we hit it off because we had similar backgrounds, you know. Do you know? Uh, do you know even then that there were saintly qualities to the guy? No. Well, no. I like I said, I wasn't wrapped too tight. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't wrapped too tight, but I, I do remember one time I, I had finished uh, a meditation on you know going into hell with Jesus, and uh, I remember. Uh, getting thrown around my studio apartment, you know. And I told him that, he said, but are there any physical bruises? And I said, no. But, you know, that was the kind of work that he was doing with me, you know. He, and then he, introduced, he opened the door to, I guess, uh, I don't want to be... Uh, sensationalistic here that's not what i'm trying to do i'm just saying that he he let me he, he let me understand that this is a real uh, real 
the real core of our lives is, is to work with Jesus and uh, to really walk and to really be aware and just, just stay on your toes, as he would say. He had a great expression. He'd say, just give your lousy best. <laughs> I like that. I like yeah, that. every day, just give your lousy best. The young guys didn't want to sit with him, from what I understand, at the uh, cafeteria because he was so quiet. He'd seen but the I liked him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's now, talk a little know, bit more about this uh, Jesuit experience. You know, the Jesuit miracle for me, Michael Harney's our guest, is that they got me to go on the Ignatian retreat, and the concept of me keeping silence for 30 days is truly miraculous, you know. But uh, I'm glad that he was the kind of silent, strong type. But the Jesuit experience, let's talk about that. Kyle MacArthur, young actor, Broadway, uh, he went to Regis High School. When he was on our program, he said he loved the experience of being educated by Jesuits because they didn't tell him what to think, but they taught him how to think. Um, and then we recently had on... Uh, Tanya Tetlow, who's the new first female, first layperson president of Fordham University. And uh, her father was a Jesuit priest, 17 years, met mom, left the Jesuits and became uh, a married man. But but she too says uh, the formation, her whole life, the Jesuits have given her, has given her a profoundly uh, important sense of what's important and what's not. Uh, Michael, what, what did you take away from the experience of Fordham and, and the Jesuits you've met along the way? Well, you know, first of all, I'm in very esteemed company. I don't know why you called me, but uh, <laughs> here, here we are. <laughs> You're here a Fordham guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, what they gave me was uh, uh, to really uh, let the Lord lead me. Mm. And, uh, and from that, uh, will come understanding and discernment. So I don't, I'm not a smart guy. I mean, I might have fallen down too many flights of stairs and I might have shaken something loose. Uh, I'm not a learned man, uh, but I'm a hard worker. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think what they gave me, I know what they gave me is uh, to approach uh, life with the proper humility and not knowing and let the Lord decide what each day is going to bring and uh, I give my lousy best you know I, I I think of Walter every day you know in that regard he was so simple and uh, he would say uh, just just uh, get quiet stay close to him he'll let you know what he wants you to do and that's what I do you know, it's, uh, so that's what they gave me. And Jim, you know, Jim was, uh, like a saint. I mean, uh, Bernie was too, with all the meetings and all the people he helped. And, yeah. um, I remember Jim one day, uh, Jim Deneen, uh, well, you can see the people can see him on the hall of fame. There's a video of him speaking at, uh, Xavier, you know, the hall of fame, they inducted him into the hall of it was either the, that Hall of Fame or St. Peter's Prep. I'm not sure which one, but he's on. He's on. But Jim, uh, I called and my son was struggling, and I said, uh, "Jim, would you go? Uh, would you pray for my mother? She's in the hospital. I can't make it to New York." 
And he said, well, where is she? I said, well, she's at North Shore University Hospital. He said, okay, thanks, Mark. So I, I just trusted, you know, he would pray. I was praying. And three days later, my father calls me up and he says, uh, Michael, what the hell did you tell that man? <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean? He said, that man got on, a, he took trains and buses and he came and then he spent an hour and a half with your mother and I and your sister sitting in the hospital here. What did, what did you tell him? I said, Dad, I just asked him to pray for mom. That's the way he is. You know? And, uh, you know, he, he would do that a lot. I remember, uh, in other words, he, he allowed the spirit to lead him. Yeah. Uh, but yet he met his responsibilities. And uh, the thing I think I and so many people... Uh, respected about him was uh, is a uh, a faith of authenticity Michael I gotta ask you um this this gift you have this talent this ability uh, to act uh, I'm always intrigued by why God gives the particular gifts he does in the context of a prayer or just reflection have you ever figured out why he decided to give you these particular gifts to you well, he had to do something with the mess I was in, you know. He, yeah, he had. To, I was, I was full of, uh, you know what, you know, for a long time until I got clean and sober and worked this this program I was in of recovery. Anyway, I, I think uh, you know if you're going to be a good actor, you really have to get level with yourself, and you have to really uh, get. Yeah, you got to be able to look at the man in the mirror. I want to uh, thank Michael Horner for being a guest on Personal Speak. You know, Michael, um, uh, y you have a uh, probably an inability to uh, to be anything but authentic, and it's delightful to hear someone who uh, who talks straight and uh, just reveals who he is with no pretense. There's no pretense to you, and it's a wonderful gift and a grace uh, to share that. And uh, wow, I'm so grateful for you, not just for your acting career, which is a marvelous thing, but but for the person you are and uh, the hope you give us. Um, thank you so much for being on Personally Speaking. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you need to reach me, you can write me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to this show or past episodes by going on YouTube and searching under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Gimosanti, where you'll be able to watch shows as well. And please don't forget to click like and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Gimosanti. We're also now on Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, personally speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking. Mm -hmm.